You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Uh, Mackie and Jeff with Rami on the audio score north. And if they screw up, they're dead. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. It sure is. Twice a week. The not-so-honorable, kind of corrupt. Kind of? Judge Jonathan Harrison asks us random questions. A lot of negative words for a guy who just had a clean sweep on Monday. Hands out arbitrary points. I mean, even my wins are a little dirty. I'm not going to lie. That's true. Coming off what we just talked about, that sounded weird. (laughs) It sure did. Wait till Danny finds out how corrupt Jonathan becomes. But the honorable, honorable I judge. I might have an agreement with him already. The not so honorable <laughs> judge Jonathan has uh, presided over the bench, and uh, the court is now yours, sir. All right, boys, I want a pie chart of blame. We're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Pie chart of blame for who deserves the blame for yesterday's blown loss to the Brewers and bonus points given to whoever says the retractable roof for legitimately whatever reason you want. Okay. Danny, you want to go first? You seem real excited about your answer. So I've got five people getting some sort of blame from yesterday. Okay. Five. Sergio wow. Romo gets 30% of the blame in my pie chart. Okay. okay. Served up the home run ball. All right. You're getting blamed. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sure. Jorge Polanco gets 27% of the blame for making Ooh. the error that in part led to the home run being served up by Sergio Romo. All right. right. Mm-hmm. Marwin Gonzalez gets 25% of the blame for yesterday's loss. Here's why. Marwin Gonzalez hit the big home run the night before, and we've seen this team do nothing but respond terribly to winning big games. He won the game the night before, (laughs) caused them to lose the the game the day after. So because of that, Josh Hader gets 15% for serving up the fastball that Marwin Gonzalez put over the left center wall the night before. And then Rami gets 3% for working in Milwaukee for 13 years. Fair enough. I'd like to, to apologize for telling uh, for telling Jonathan that Danny should stick around for the segment. Yeah, this is your fault. I was wrong. You have brought this. I, upon that was us. a good answer. You so just Judd blame is Marwin blaming Gonzalez. himself for one hundred percent of this. Yeah, one? you just blame Marwin, Marwin Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Won, the Twins have lost a lot of games after so are you big saying wins. That they would have won that, that if they had lost on Monday. They would have won or uh, Tuesday. They would have won on Wednesday. Better chance they do. Yeah. Okay. All right, Josh, Marwin, you want to go next? No, you can go next. Okay. Okay. I'm just so confused right now. <coughs> you did this. You yeah, brought him here. I know. Okay. I know. You asked him to Just say. making sure. I'd like to apologize for that to the listeners and you guys. I'm going to make mine four pieces much simpler. Jorge Polanco, make the play, 40%. Sergio, you've been great so far, but make the pitch, 40%. 19%, Kyle Gibson. Look at the line on the start. Like, Gibby, what are you doing? Like, I'm not completely surprised, I guess, but also, Gibby, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. This team needs you badly. And in fact, let me uh, let me read the line on the start, because I got my handy-dandy Star Tribune box score right in front of me. Five innings, eight hits, three runs, all earned, three walks, 
So 11 runners based off of that and uh, three strikeouts, 92 pitches. Certainly not a spectacular start, so I give him 19%. And then, because we were encouraged to do this, I'm going to give the last 1% to the retractable roof because no baseball team should have to play indoors. All right. Um, I'll give, uh, let's say, 40% to Sergio Romo for actually giving up the lead. That probably wouldn't happen if not for... Uh, I was going to say Placido Polanco. Jorge Polanco. I've done that before. Find a way to blame him. That's he was really good at one time. And the defense. I'll say 30% to, to the defense. Uh, let's give another 20% to Rocco Baldelli and the coaching staff just because. And then uh, the, last, the, last 10%, the last 10% I will blame on the roof because there was rain at the start of this game. Now, had they not had a roof... That game maybe gets delayed, and in a different time-space continuum, since I watched Avengers Endgame last night, you may have different results. Therefore, if that game starts later, maybe the Twins win. Maybe you get the Infinity Stones. I don't know. You know, usually I, I was just, just trying to work in Avengers Endgame. I know, yeah, give you points, the points for these. Just but, such a suck shameless. But you didn't mention Gibby. Gibby was, I mean, if you keep the, the Brewers off the board, like you should have, and you don't struggle through five innings of work, then you're not going to give. You're not going to have Sergio Romo in the situation he did. So, Judd, you're getting the points here because you had Gibby and you had the roof. You had the two guys I blamed the most. I I came through. You did come through. You told me to put the roof, and I put the roof in. Next one up. News came out today that Dar- Demarcus Cousins has a torn ACL. If well, my question was if it's true, but now it's true because Woj confirmed it. It's a bit disappointing considering... I like how it's not true until Woj can t- no, confirms it. You can't it. trust anyone else. Shams had it earlier in the day. No, Woj is the only trust. And then ESPN put up, like, while we were starting our show, <laughs> breaking. <laughs> Woj confirmed. You can't break that somebody confirmed something. That's not breaking news. That's ESPN confirming did it. previous news that someone else reported. Well, it's a bit disappointing considering the roster the Lakers had put together this offseason. So what is the most disappointing offseason injury one of your teams or a team has suffered? Okay, I'll go first, and I'm going to jump on a technicality here because the season had not started yet, so technically it was before the season started, mm-hmm. and it's very easy. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. the man's legs snapped in two on a practice field, and by the way, non-contact. He dropped back to pass, and his leg crumbled. It's bizarre, but he was coming off the third, all-important, as Collar says, and I say, third preseason game against uh, the Chargers at U.S. Bank Stadium. He had lit them up. He was going into a season after a very disappointing end uh, to a year that ended, though, in a playoff game. This was Zimmer's guy, right? I mean, Zim loved this guy. Everything pointed towards that this was finally going to be Teddy's time. It was going to be his offense. He was going to be the quarterback of this team. It was only a matter of time before he got the huge contract. And his leg went out. Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know that I have one. I couldn't think of one. I've been trying to think about this all day, and I don't know that I necessarily have one. Kevin White, first-round pick of the Bears. Yeah. His, his leg snapped in his first-ever training camp, and yeah. he was never the same and kept suffering injuries until final. I don't think he's even in the league anymore now. I'm not sure. Arizona, I think, picked him oh, up. Oh, did he sign with I think Arizona? the Cardinals picked him up, yeah. But that's the closest thing I can come up with. I don't really have a great answer to this. So, uh, Avengers, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take it back work. to uh, early May of 2005. Corn dogs. Corn dogs. Yeah. You might get the win. Though. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, you're walking a fine line, though. Fine line. <laughs> 
So in early May of 2005, Kellen Winslow Jr. was thrown off his motorcycle while doing donuts in a parking lot in a Cleveland suburb. He had missed the first or the final 14 games of his rookie year after breaking his leg, trying to recover an onside kick against the Dallas Cowboys. Then heading into his second season, he tore his ACL doing donuts on his motorcycle in a parking lot. We all knew Kellen Winslow as a soldier before that. And then he tore his ACL and got a staph infection as a result of that. Jay Williams did the same thing when he was the uh, Bulls' first round pick. On the motorcycle. Yeah, on the motorcycle. That would have been a good answer that I didn't come up with. (laughs) Just sold himself out. Candy. I mean, it's... Just throwing stuff out there, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You got a specific kind? Just stuff you... I don't know. What do you like? What are you eating over there? Reese's peanut butter cups? I'm not eating anything Skittles? You a Skittles guy? Skittles. You like Skittles. There you go. Skittles. You're not going to win today, sorry. All right. It's hard to beat Teddy Bridgewater's injury because that one was so so soul crushing because of what he had shown in that preseason yep. and what you had expected from him. So Judd's going to get the win here today because he gets a second point in a row. Ooh, did I just escape? But there's still a question left on the board, boys. <laughs> yeah, which I'm not going to answer for. In Hard Knocks, we heard Antonio Brown explain what is happening to his feet in a very odd way that I don't care to say again. So in honor of that, I want you to describe an injury you once had in an equally as awkward way. Cunningham goal because you, you actually you've had more injuries football. than the rest of us. I, I mean, have had, I've had, had my injuries. share, but you've had more. So the one we're going to go with here is following the first time I, I broke my foot. <laughs> first time I broke my foot, so I had to have surgery, had a screw inserted into it. Uh, I was at football workouts. It was a, a non-contact injury. Okay. In college uh, or, or high school? Uh, this was the summer leading into college. Okay. I was at workouts okay. for college, already coming off of a shoulder surgery. I was running and my foot just kind of snapped in half. Uh, like the, the, yeah, the, the bone all the way on the outside just snapped. Ah. Like totally in half. So I had surgery on that. They put a screw in, you know, I'm in. Do you drink milk? You should probably drink more milk. So I don't participate in physical you need calcium. So I had surgery, all that, you know, it's going okay. And then like two weeks later, as my wounds kind of healing, I get a staph infection inside of my foot. One of the uh, one of the stitches had like penetrated an area inside my foot. It was not supposed to penetrate, and the result of that was a staph infection. From there, I had to go back to the hospital. They essentially cut me back open without putting me to sleep. They like stuck this huge needle in my foot, like this. Do you needle. have a circumcision on your foot? I did not have a circumcision on my foot, but it, it did swell up like a whoopee cushion before that. Um, yeah, that's dangerous too. That so the, oh, it was the most painful thing I've ever been in. They they put this huge needle in my foot to try and numb it and then they cut it back open while I was awake all of this blood and guts and whatever comes out of your foot came out of my foot they had to re-stitch it up it was the most painful thing I've ever been to it was disgusting I wish it upon nobody I almost punched a hole in the doctor's office because I was I was awake for surgery essentially that doesn't sound too different from this then it was on a vacation in Paris I was training and it was, I was in Ohio, to though. Therapy to recover yeah. my body. You were in Paris. And I got out and I felt my Very foot burning. Places. So I was like, man, I felt a it hot burns. sensation. So the next like 24 hours, it swelled up. Got really big. I couldn't really walk. I put pressure. Uh, the doctor came over, drained a little out, scalpel the next day, scissors the next day, and just kind of let it leak all out. So as, uh. it, as everything leaked all out, <laughs> I was able to put a lot of pressure. Thankful my trainer was working me out in the midst of my, I can't be on my feet. So I'm crawling with them workouts, just, you know. Yeah, other stuff better and had everything get better. You know, uh, the good doctor and people that was able to. So now it's just like a uh, new scam trying to, you know, get my feet used to uh, feeling it. But I feel like I just got a 
big patch of just open whoopee cushion, you know? I don't know what that means. And what did can't say you know at the end of that because I don't. What did make it worse <laughs> is my surgeon was on vacation, so it was a different doctor that had to cut me open this time. It was why, not fun. Why couldn't they put you under for this? I, they chose not to. I was not happy. Joe. That doesn't seem fair. I, it was not fair. Because it's not your fault. It's their fault, technically. It was not fun. Like, it's not like you did something to cause it to I didn't even to give go. you the option to go back under. No, it was but, like, all right, well, we got to do this. So they did it. Like, I wasn't even in the oh. surgery room. I was in a doctor's oh. office. Oh, so it's even more dangerous. That doesn't even it's sound. It's not sterilized. Yeah. yeah, that's not. It wasn't pleasant, Are you guys. sure you were at a doctor? Yeah. That doesn't sound Licensed? like. A license. I, it was at the same place I'd gotten the x-rays. Okay. Yeah, my feet is pretty much getting circumcised, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, For like, real. Like circulation? Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. With the new skin, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Kind of like a pullback. You don't know what he's talking about. He yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. Feet, right. You know? Hopefully my feet born again and I can go run faster. Born again? I feel what? sorry for me later. Thank you. I uh, once, oh. uh, I've told you guys before, I lost lost a bunch of weight about 10 years ago. And uh, after I did that, I was I, I was in pretty decent shape. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do, guys? I'm going to be a runner. <laughs> I'm going to be a runner. You have no one. See, I had people to blame other than myself. Yeah. You don't. I'm going to be Already a runner, guys. I'm going to be a runner after I already had surgery on one knee, played catcher for like 14 years, squatted way too much weight, did way too much damage to my knees just by being super fat for the first 30 years of my life. But I'm going to be a runner. I'm going to go ahead and be a runner, guys. So I would like run a mile or two every morning pre-workout. Once a week, I'd do like a six-mile jog with my dog. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, you're a runner. You were fat your whole life. Now you're a runner. And then I started getting this pain in my right knee, and uh, I went to go see a doctor, an orthopedic doctor, and he was like, have you had any changes to your workout routine, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, I'm a runner now. He's like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were fat your whole life. You did so much damage to your knees. You can't just decide at the age of 30 that you're a runner. So uh, what they found in there was a bunch of bone spurs. And, uh, well, and a deformed knee that, like, my kneecap, make it real short, it slides to the right. Like, there's a track your kneecap is supposed to slide on when you bend your knee, and it's, like, straight back and forth. Mine slides to to the the right right a little bit, so they kind of did circumcise my knee. They cut a part. (laughs) They cut. Sorry, Danny, he just used the term, so I guess he get the point here. I use whoopee cushion. They They cut this band of connective tissue that goes down the right side of your knee that was pushing down on the kneecap and causing undue pressure. So you could kind of call that. A circumcision of uh, of my right wow. knee after I decided I'm a runner. That's on you. That's your own. I've oh, got nothing here. Okay. I have the I, knees. I don't. I I have run at times and things, but I have nothing to compare. Cunningham's is truly disgusting. Yeah, it's like, really. Gross. That's off the charts bad. It was it was horrendous. I, I mean, just w- the br- I wish it upon no one. Just the break. Oh yeah, <sighs> and then I broke it again in college. Like I had to have another surgery and get a new screw. Did you go to a new doctor this time? Uh, that uh, a different surgeon did that okay. one, and then this time they actually removed. Or no, the same surgeon did that one. I, I had two different surgeons, but the How same. How many one surgeries did, have you had, dude? I had five in three years in college. So then the second okay, time, football. the the second time oh, they God. cut my ankle open and they took a bone graft out of my ankle and wrapped it around the bone that had broke twice. 
What was that? Yeah, the the second time I had surgery on it after I broke it again, yeah. they they obviously they pulled the screw that was holding that bone together out because the bone was broken and they needed to put a new screw in. So they put a new screw in and then they cut they shaved some bone off of my ankle and wrapped it around the bone that was broken to kind of like resolidify it. I think I think the injury if you recall this a ways back I think the Danny injury wins this one now after that Sorry, he Ryan, suffered taking the point back I used circumcised nope. he just described another his injury foot that was... they almost fell off hold on yeah <laughs> hold on like I, you were just I'm a fat guy that ran I can show you the we have to go back we have to go back to the description of the question if I can find it I can't find it if you guys want to see the X-ray I can show you that too you've got pictures do you recall it's on my Instagram Michael. Bennett, who was a running back for the Vikings yes. on a treadmill, I think did the same thing Cunningham did. He broke his foot on a tre- He was running on a treadmill and his foot broke. But it sounded very like, why? You don't know why. Many reasons why I'm not going to hop on a treadmill. Treadmills actually don't scare me. What Rami did does scare me. I will. Dry ground training is a hell on your knees. Oh, that's disgusting. I don't want to see it. You don't oh, it's, to- no, it's cool. Oh, it's just an X-ray. Okay, yeah. I thought you were going to show oh, me. I can show you the scars a gross too. Open wound. No, 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 no. Oh my God! Why is your foot so that. big? Oh my God! Oh wow! Why does your foot look like a that. loaf of bread? What wow. is going on? What you is going that. on there? You what should tweet that happening? out. Well, I tell you what's that's, happening. That's the ankle broken. incision. Oh, oh, that's not bad. Okay. Oh, that one's not bad. That's only like four or five stitches. That should. Rami's not looking. Look, Rami won't look. Rami won't look. I don't need to see that. There's my ankle. I don't need to see that. I looked. No. Oh. All right. No. Oh, gross. Mm-mm. Hey, so I win. Thanks, guys. You won what? I won a cram session. session today. Oh, Not yeah, the point. Okay. Yeah, I don't win the point. I earned that point. I should have gotten the last point. I should have gotten the last point. I used Danny circumcision in my answer. You swept. I have a screw two, three in my days foot. ago. <laughs> it's not, that wasn't the point of the question. It was now. Never mind. That's who we are. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new score north on 1500. ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth mobile app. Bad news for you. Uh, Danny Cunningham, I don't know if you saw CC'd you on this. Uh, due to weather, all games for today have been rescheduled to tomorrow at the Little League World Series. Details to follow. So, sorry, oh. Judd Zelget. Right, so, I can't watch after all. No. Or, more importantly, gamble. No, you won't be able now to gamble tonight on the Little League World Series. I'm going to uh, I'm going to decide, I guess, I'll watch the uh, Twins and Rangers with uh, Michael Pineda coming back tonight. Instead You're going to watch professional baseball. professional baseball. I'll watch professional baseball instead, instead of I guess. Little Leaguers. Oh, what a waste of time. And I'll see what if the Twins can win the first of four you games in Texas. Although the umpiring might be just as good at the Little League level as it is at the Major League level, at least when it comes to balls and strikes. And yesterday... Jason Stark had a extensive piece at The Athletic about the implementation or starting the implementation of the electronic strike zone via experimenting with it in the Atlantic League. Really good article. You should go and check it out. And uh, today, Jake DePew, who, like I said in the last segment, may or may not be me ghostwriting for ScoreNorth.com. He's a real and guy. Score North Mobile. Real dude. I've talked to him. Okay. All right. Very it's, smart. Very good writer. Have you seen him, though? Jake, Never met him in person. I want because you may talk to Rami and he can change his voice. Right. Keep going. People talked with Ed Norton in Fight Club and thought yeah. it was Brad Pitt. That's true. And vice versa. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. 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 You got right. me. Just saying. Judd, you've seen Fight Club, right? Oh yes. Okay. Good. Did you read Jake's piece at ScoreNorth.com in the ScoreNorth mobile app? Yeah. Did you? Were you getting just infuriated? Infuriated? I'm so infuriated. I can't say infuriated right now while reading it. 
I get infuriated with anyone who goes down the path that what we're doing right now is a good idea. That what we're currently doing. Right. That with human umpires calling what, balls and strikes. When I watched that guy, who was the umpire behind the plate on Tuesday night? Now, I can't recall his name, and I don't I don't recall having seen him work you know the game before. We that. need to stop knowing these guys' names. That's part of the problem right. is they think they're the show. So don't even feel well, bad that you forgot his name. You shouldn't know anyway, his name. Anyway, that game... That game made me upset because th- there were there were parts of that game that I thought were a lot of fun and great to watch, and then there was just the incompetence. Like he's just incompetent. I get people make mistakes. I get every call is not perfect, but he was just missing calls left and right. But so yes, I yes I if if you're mad about it, I agree it's, it's with one, you. It's one thing that the that umpiring and look when I say this. I say this knowing that it's a very difficult job and they probably do it better than anybody else could, Absolutely. but it's still not good enough. It's still not good well, enough. And I think some, well, just quickly, I think that there are there is a group of guys who, who do it really, really well and it's still not perfect, but then you've got the guy that we saw Tuesday, Angel Hernandez, C.B. Buckner, Joe West, that group who are just not good at and it. I, but I expect umpires to defend themselves. I expect umpires to resist the robot umpire takeover. Sure. I thought players and coaches almost in mass would would be 100% behind the robot umpire takeover because of all the crying and complaining and arguing that we see about balls and strikes in Major League Baseball. But reading this piece by Jake at scorenorth.com and some of the quotes by Twins players and coaches, it sounds like you're going to have to drag them kicking and screaming into this new age of baseball with the electronic strike zone. This was Zach Littell talking with Jake DePew. says, I think you take the human element out of the game. You change it, and I'm not sure you change it for the better. Obviously, everybody wants to get the right call, but at the same time, the mistakes are kind of what makes the game what it is. I think for every call that doesn't go your way, there's a call that does go your way. I don't know that it'd be worth it. Yeah, he's just wrong. Zach Littell just lost the right to ever argue balls and strikes, in my mind. If and, Zach Littell ever argues balls and strikes, I'm taking the but, umpire's side because you asked for this, but, Zach Littell. But Zach, but Zach Littell is is in favor of, of what I've told Phil previously, which is if you're going to keep humans doing this, you've got to get it down to a small group of, of people who work the plate and get paid the most. The, like they still no, wouldn't be good enough at it, Judd. Right, but it's a no, job that is not fit for humans. But there's no way. But there's no way that, and he can't obviously come out and say this. But there's no way that Zach Littell really thinks in his head that CB Buckner or Angel Hernandez or Joe West or the clown behind the plate on Tuesday should ever have that job again. But I'm with you. It just needs to change. It it'll change, and we'll all say, "Why didn't you change that ten years ago?" But Players, there, there's a large group of players, I think, that are very afraid of the unknown, and they're going to have to be forced to change, and once it's changed, they're all going to say, oh, you know what, this is way better. And when he says mistakes are kind of what makes the game what it is, no, that's not you're it. only validating these umpires like Joe West who think they're part of the attraction. You're simply there to get calls right. Yeah, You're not part of the action. You're not part of the attraction that is Major League Baseball or the sport of baseball. It's why you have replay, right? Exactly. You're trying to get things right. And the most the most fundamental thing of of in a game, we see how many pitches per game. 100 or 250 And you could get and you could get almost every one of those right and you're electing not to. It makes no sense. Jake Odorizzi continued to anger me. 
He said there has to be a human element to it because you'd see strikes that are curveballs that hit the bottom of the zone and end up in the dirt. So are you going to start calling dirt ball strikes? I think players would start getting upset. I think it's something that's going to take a lot of convincing because it's going to change the game so drastically. I think it would be harder on hitters than pitchers because it takes away the mislocation aspect of it. You can be going for something, completely miss your spot, barely clip the zone, and it's a strike. So as a hitter, it would really be tough to navigate. What are they going to be using as a strike zone? We already know. It's in the rule book. Is it going to vary from hitter to hitter? Yes. It's in the, it's in the rule book like it's supposed to. It'd be a tough sell. Do you get measured every year for your strike zone? There'd be so many things that would need to be considered before they ever considered bringing it to a game. I'm getting so angry. They're doing. This. They're doing this. You're right, right, right. But Jake, Jake's not th- thinking Jake of this. Of also this. lost the right to ever argue balls and strikes. But he's also not speaking about this rationally. And he's there. The reason why they're going through the Atlantic League mistakes right now is to fix those things. Yeah, like he doesn't understand. They're working out the. His, they're working out the wrinkles. But his quote. His quote does not make sense. He is he's basically listening to and using the same logic, which is not really logic when you think about it, that Rob Manfred's trying to do, right? Well, how can you get this right? It, it's too imp- And like Phil said, and he's right, tennis has no problems. The line's there, boom. Yeah. And it's decided. Don't they use it in soccer, Jonathan? Yeah, they use it for goal line technology yes. to judge whether the ball went and two centimeters over the line or not. They're just too cheap right now. Yeah. This is surprising that pitchers are coming out with these takes. Like, but not just pitchers. But right, but it's they're the ones who could be most affected by whether the umpire gets the call right because if a strike gets called a ball and they have to sit up against that batter for another another pitch and the batter cranks one out of the park, then then they're affected the most by it because it's another home run against them. But the frustrating thing is, Jake DePew's story does a really good job of documenting how how little that guys like um, Odorizzi and Latell understand about how this would work. I think they, they literally don't understand it. This is what Jason Castro said, and I continue to get more angry. There are balls that you can argue technically clip parts of the strike zone, but are not really hittable pitches, especially with the type of velocity and movement guys have. You have to define what the zone actually is. The up and away corner, if you go by the letter of what the zone potentially could be, that clips the very edge at 97. That's not really a hittable pitch. I think practice hitters really wouldn't like that. Um, In in practice, they'd be upset about it. Oh, I think in in practice. I'm sorry. Um... Yeah, if you throw a pitch that's in the strike zone that's not hittable, that's what a pitcher is trying to do. That's, that's the goal. Supposed to that's do. the goal of being a pitcher. That's that's the whole thing. Like, what, what are people even saying? They play. These are professional baseball players who are not making sense when they're talking about baseball and what you're trying to accomplish in the game of baseball. They don't understand what they're talking about, though. But it's crystal clear. And then he talks about framing. He says, from a catching standpoint, that significantly affects a big job that a catcher has. That's something that talking with Garve a little bit is not something catchers would like. Don't dismiss this as a huge part here. Catchers would lose money because catchers are now paid partially. To fool umpires. but But if I'm a good framing catcher, my value to my team goes up. The second this electronic strike zone comes in, I can't do that. The strike zone reads it. So I'm out. Like, I can still play. I still have to catch the ball. But my framing, my uh, my artistic um, ability to frame the baseball is now null and void, right? And get better at the other parts of your game. No, I know, but that's what, Ca- but what yeah. Castro is saying and what he knows is 
his ability to frame now out the window. Which, okay. by the way, it should be. You still have a yeah. lot to do, dude. You still have to like call the game for your catcher. You still have to hit. Like, oh, I'm there's with still you. so much more to your right. game than just this one aspect. It's already that would be it's already away. the most demanding job in baseball. You just yeah. took one thing off that guy's plate. Good, as far as you I'm concerned. Be right? For that. Exactly. No, but it, but in his mind, it's not good because it costs him potential money in his contract. And then Taylor Rogers and Jake. Ends the article with this quote made me angrier than anybody made me in the you, reading in the you entire have article. Stopped reading this like halfway through, man. Quote Taylor Rogers. I kind of like the human element of it. What are you coming to the game to watch? You. I'm coming to watch you, Taylor Rogers. I'm not coming to watch the umpire. Nah, I've never gone to a game and thought. I wonder what the strike zone's going to be tonight. Never gone to a I'm, Twins game thinking, Angel Hernandez is behind the plate. Honey, oh, that's going to be a great game. Actually, I do. I love when, <laughs> yeah, I love when those buffoons have the plate. When those buffoons have the plate, it's my favorite game. you're an agent of chaos. <laughs> yes, I love, sure. I love Again, the chaos. I'm not surprised by this Conduit part. of trouble. I love the chaos. But like, I've never thought, like, let's... Let's get our food and get our beers and get to the seats early so I can uh, be there for the first pitch and get a real idea about what the strike zone is tonight. Yeah. That's, that's not what I go to the game to watch. And Taylor Rogers sells himself and every player short when he says, what are you coming to the game to watch? Not umpires. That's the last thing I'm coming to watch, Taylor Rogers. I've never seen a kid go up to the edge of that, that wall there before they get to the field and ask for the umpire's autograph. They only go to the players. I asked Joe West to sign his country CD for me once. <laughs> I actually, today, was watching YouTube Joe West in concert clips. I hate to admit it, but I was. Uh, I have a question. Oh, you didn't know Joe West has a country music oh, yeah, career, find Jonathan? It. Oh, find it. Play a little bit of it for oh, us, fantastic. if you would, please. I don't care about copyright laws. He is, Come get us, Joe West. You know what? He is a far better country music singer then he is a home plate umpire. Um, but the fact he has a, a country, question for The you. fact he tries to be a country music singer tells uh, you a, all you need to know about Joe West. Yeah, he, he wants sh- the spotlight. And he should be fired from this job. Uh, I got is appropriate? I can't imagine Joe West is like... I thought they were. Is Snoop Dogg. I got a question for you, though. <laughs> off this. Hold, hold on one second. All right. Here's my question. Off these comments... Are these guys then, do, do they rue the day that they put in replay and we get calls at first base right now? Or if a guy steals second, we can go back and get that right? Taylor Rogers' comment reads like he if you could take him back in time, he would take replay out. Probably. Yeah. You want that human element. What are people coming to watch? Yeah, so, but we used to get lots of calls wrong at first base, right? I mean, do these guys really think we're coming to watch umpires make bad calls? Is that what they think we're paying admission the price of admission for? Or turning on our TV? I'm asking you. To see bad calls? To see umpires mess things up? Because that's the human element, is getting it wrong. Yeah. That's the only thing the human element brings to the game, is getting it wrong. Guys who shouldn't have a bearing on the impact or outcome of a game having a bearing on the impact or outcome of a game. I just don't get it, though. So in my eyes, to sum this up, unless you have more on it, Judd, and hopefully we'll hear from Joe West here in a second, uh, by my count, Zach Littell, Jake Odorizzi, Jason Castro... And uh, Taylor Rogers have all lost any and all legs to stand on when it comes to arguing balls and strikes with an umpire. I think Cast- this is what you want. This is what you. This is what you want. You want the human element, and this is what we come to watch. I think Castro's biased because he, he liked the fact that he can try and fool umpires, and that gets him more in his contract. So I almost eliminate him because he's biased probably towards 
thinking to himself that he gets a bigger payday because of his ability in his mind to frame pitches. But the pitchers I'm shocked by. I would have thought at least one of those three, if not all three of those guys, would have said, let's get that thing perfected and let's get that thing introduced as quickly as possible. And I'm dead serious right now, by the way, because I come on here and rip umpires as much as, as anybody on these airwaves along with Judd. From now on, any one of these guys who's involved in any sort of disagreement with an umpire, I'm taking the umpire's side. You've 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 lost. I don't know. I know it doesn't matter, but you've lost my backing when it comes to arguing balls and strikes from now on. Because you're you're getting what you're asking for. If you're one of these guys who's anti robot strikes, ro- robot umpire takeover. Do we have Joe West queued up, jo- Jonathan, or no? Or should we just go to Royce? No, I was trying to find one. I think I found one here that wasn't a crappy version of a live. Oh, that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Didn't here's one. I think. Okay, my cantorophobia is taking over. Let's uh, (laughs) cut that off. Hold on a second. So you, a guy with cantorophobia, asked Jonathan Harrison to have uh, country. You asked me, country Joe West. What were you thinking? I'm here to serve our listeners. Judd Zalgad. And when I tell him that Joe West is a country music singer, that Cowboy, you have a CD? Cowboy Joe West is a country music singer. No, man, I was being sarcastic. I think there's a baseball song. Our though. listeners want to hear it. I think he did do a baseball song at some point in time. But you know what, Joe? Quit this job. Go to singing full time. Just quit everything that has you in the public eye. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Back right after this, we'll wrap with Royce. Hey, everyone. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you right now. I've been a business owner in my life a couple different times, actually. And so I can relate to what you go through on a daily, on an hourly, on a monthly, annual basis, that roller coaster ride and that never-ending sea of problems over here, but also the exhilaration of those incremental wins over there. You get the whole spectrum when you're a business owner. And so if you're in this group, I recommend getting to know Federated Insurance, which has over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local marketing representative. You won't regret it. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. 5.45 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Uh, something you can download from us. Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's a podcast where we go back in time and dive deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history. Some Twins ones. We got Twins and Tigers. Game 163. Analysis of Twins and A's from the 2002 ALDS. Some Wolves-related ones. Kevin Love's 30-30 and 30 game. And... Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 against Sacramento. That's called Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Time to wrap with Royce here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Patrick Royce joins us. Pat, we were talking about the uh, robot umpire takeover before the break and Jake DePew's piece at scorenorth.com. And a number of players quoted in it, saying that they are not in favor of the robot umpire takeover, which they're entitled to their opinion, and you and I have differed in our opinions on this before. But I contend, Pat, if you're a player who doesn't want the robot umpire takeover, you no longer can argue balls and strikes ever again. 
Well, I uh, would disagree with that because let's first of all find out for sure. I, you know, I said the other day because of the way they hit now, they're you know they certainly got to look at it. But uh, are Aaron Judge and Louis Arise going to have the same uh, strike zone? That's what I'm worried about. I, do we measure all? Do we go to spring training and measure everybody? Is that what we do? Uh, how, how are we doing this? How's the computer doing this thing? I'm not. I mean, that's that. That's my number one. Uh, you know, I I think when we watch Fox Sports, we see the same box no matter who the hell the hitter is. And uh, you know, I sometimes that Sano box looks awful small for a guy that big. And uh, I, I just you know, I I don't think the computer image we're seeing now is one that's going to work. You need to have, uh, you know, you need to, uh, you know, judge it. A six-foot-six guy can't have the same strike zone as a five-foot-six guy. So, And the other thing, I actually heard you guys talking about this today. Um, we, we cannot make the strike zone smaller. That's uh, that's for sure. We got to... <laughs> In fact, my uh, my solution for a couple of years here has been uh, paint the white, paint the black white. Yeah, because I was uh, reading Jason Stark's piece about this, Pat, and you mentioned this yesterday, and you're one hundred percent right. Right now, according to the letter of the law in the rule book, which is what they're finding out in the Atlantic League, the black of the plate is not part of the strike zone. So when we do, just like you were saying yesterday, see the ball touch the line. And they and we all have assumed since at least since I've been watching baseball and they've had the K zone on TV that's a strike that is actually not a strike and they're not calling it that in the Atlantic League right now. Yeah, that's not now. Uh, you know, maybe they'll have better equipment, uh, but they'll be smarter. And I agree with uh, Kershaw. I heard you guys talking that uh, more walks means longer ball games. So uh, you certainly can't strike. If you're going to do this, you want to loosen up the strike zone to encourage people to swing their bats. I agree with that. Uh, you know, true. you're going to you're going to have to make it bigger. It's 18 inches now. Make it 20. Make them swing the bat. That's uh, that's what's you know that that the greatest umpire in the game, is, guys like Ed Rungi and those guys were uh, had generous strike zones, not obscenely generous, but to the point that they were consistent. And they gave two pinch, two inches on each side of the plate, and you had to swing the bat. And we got to somehow get these idiots to start swinging the bat. Of course, it also would help if the pitchers actually challenge somebody once in a while, which uh, does not happen. Another, I didn't get to see it last night. I was running around, but it looks like another very precise uh, outing by uh, Gibby. Huh? Just going right after him again. Not a chance, Pat. Nine nine hits, three walks, wasn't it? Eight hits, three eight, hit, eight hits, three walks, five in- innings, three strikeouts. Yeah, it was another uh, underwhelming. He was he was pitching pretty good. And that last game was one of the greatest messes of all time. And yep. now, uh, now he's uh, you know now he's back to nibbling. I guess I guess if a team doesn't stink, he won't throw. He won't challenge them. So uh, I don't know. They got to they got to get somebody to throw. You know, somehow you got to get people to throw the throw the ball over the plate rather than be three and two on the ballpark. That's for sure. Absolutely. If it gets hit, you know what? That's fine. I was, I was a super surgeon along one of his sliders, but it was a rare fastball I hit for a home run. That kid hit a long way. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Yeah. I did not see it. Yeah. And they they said it was only four Oh five or something like that. So it was impressive. Hey, big Mike's back, Pat. Pineda's here to save the day. 
is uh, yeah, I know he's coming back, but when are they going to pitch? Is, tonight. Is he take him off the deal. Oh, he's pitching tonight. They took him off the deal this morning. He's starting t- uh, tonight because I guess Smelter had been penciled in, and it's going to be Pineda tonight against Texas. Okay. Well, I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm not sure about uh, Schmelzy. Uh, <laughs> you know, now that he's uh, now that he just can't sneak in, they they didn't send him down though. He's he's, he's ready in the bullpen in case they got a hook. Uh, Correct. Uh, what you call it now? Just hey, uh, Rami. Uh, yes, Pat? I heard you guys talking about your love of euchre today. Yes. And uh, of course, uh, you and I go back a long time, and one of my proudest moments was I was in Arizona for spring training and was in there talking to Uke during the break. And I told Uke that I had quit drinking. And uh, Uke comes back on the air and says, we've received a lot of surprises down here this year in spring training, but I just received the biggest one ever. Uh, my friend Patrick Gracie told me he quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> So he announced made, that I on the air. That was part of the Brewers broadcast. Yeah, in the Brewers broadcast, a spring training game. So I don't know how uh, large. Yes, he was a very good buddy of a very good buddy of mine who covered the Brewers for the uh, Milwaukee paper. So, uh, uh, in fact, I got a chance to uh, hang out with Duke a couple times when he was overserved. So that was okay. Was this uh, during your drinking days or post drinking days? Because I'd imagine having a few uh, with Duke is probably pretty I fun. Think, well, that was uh, during my drinking. But not, you know, we weren't out terrorizing the streets. We just probably both had a few more than we should have. So, great guy, though, wonderful. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't know if he still goes out on the boat fishing, but that became his big passion. You know, I'll be out on Lake Michigan every afternoon catching and in that big cruiser is catching fish. So, he spent a lot of time doing that. But, uh, yeah, that you know, the excitement that he could still stir up at, what is he now, 88, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. He, uh, with that home, with that winning home run last night, that was a pretty damn good call. I heard today. So. Oh yeah, he's still he's still got his fastball for sure. Home games, right? Just home, yeah. just yeah. mostly just home games. Home. Yeah. Okay. Pat, when I I told this story earlier on uh, Score North Live, but when I first moved to Wisconsin, I was a big Bob Euchre fan. But from his appearances on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, from obviously Major League, Mister Belvedere, I turned on a Brewers game and I was like, this guy is actually. This guy's actually a baseball announcer, huh? I, 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 I knew he was Harry Doyle, the baseball announcer in the Major League movies, but I did not know that he was actually the Brewers play-by-play guy until I moved to Wisconsin and turned on my radio. Well, what's amazing is his love for it. You know, right. He had other ways of making big money, and he, uh, you know, he obviously loved doing Brewers games. I know the fans drove him crazy there when the Brewers stunk. Uh, because uh, he was the biggest celebrity, so every drunk in Wisconsin kept stumbling by the uh, <laughs> by the by the announcer booth. Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, you got sick of hearing. Hey. <laughs> but uh, anyway. yeah, you know when they were terrible, he was he was the number one thing they had going for themselves. Eighty five, by the way. Eighty five. Yep. Okay. Well, still a young guy compared to Sid. Still doing pretty good. He's still doing pretty good. And who are you betting on in that one, you or Sid? Oh, I've got Sid all the way. Really? I'm n- oh, I'm never betting. A- Robbie, really? Robbie, <laughs> you'll learn. We're- I'm never betting against you Sid. Don't bet against him. <laughs> this doesn't happen. Not- I got <laughs> Sid against me. I got Sid. How about against me? Well, I probably I got Sid. An <laughs> I had an interesting evening last night, guys. I went to the soccer stadium and yeah. stuck around a little while, and then it went 
that drove rode the train down to uh, the uh, CHS field down at the end of the line and uh, took about 15 minutes longer than it was supposed to because some of the fellas wouldn't shut the door. For the buddies. I get the impression that all these guys are, quite a few of these uh, gentlemen who use the train are not buying tickets. Uh, I get that impression. And uh, yeah. uh, it finally got to the point uh, on the way back uh, when uh, some uh, fellow, uh, kind of a disheveled looking guy, uh, reaches in by the doors. For some, the, the train on Lexington is being held up because there's they're loading up a big load of people on Snelling because the soccer game, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting there, the door's open. This guy reaches in and he's got something on fire mm. in his hand. And he's waving it inside the place. It looks like he's trying to get the smoke alarm to, to go off or something. And I find out of 73-year-old white guy, me, I say it all, we're looking real tough. I finally said, hey, stop that. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get the smoke alarm to go off, and we're gonna have to sit here longer. Did he and stop he it? Told me to, well, he told me to um, perform a, a sexual act on myself, <laughs> but then he uh, but then he stopped and left. So uh, he stopped and left. So I said it was a contest between uh, my desire, my impatience, and my uh, instinct for self preservation and. Impatience won the argument, and I said, "Hey, stop that, will you?" So, but you, anyway. but you won. Yeah, you won. I, and well, I got yeah, a couple of seconds. I got to commend you because I've been on a few trains and buses in my life, and like if somebody is in danger, I'll step in and say something. But if it's just a guy mm-hmm. who's like really annoying and a nuisance on the train, I'm never the guy to speak up. I just sit there. Well. You know how long we might have had to wait if the smoke alarm was You're a hero, off. Pat. Not all heroes wear capes. Well, yeah. Some of them are Pat yeah, Royce. Well, that's true. Yeah, and I mean, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? He could have stabbed me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably wouldn't be yeah, good, that's Pat. A, that's the worst thing that could happen. That's pretty bad. Then they would have had to call an ambulance. Then they probably would have had to call an ambulance, and the delay would have been about the same. So Pat, we got to run. Glad you didn't get stabbed. Goodbye. Thank See you. Ya. There's Pat. And you know Tracy. what? Sid would have won again. <laughs> Mackie and Judd with Rami on 1500 in the Score North Mobile app. It was really <laughs> quite pleasurable. <laughs>